Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Tonight, um, there's something that uh, I'm going to just tell you right up front. This is for my benefit, and you get in on it. Okay, I, I need to preach this to myself, and, and y'all probably could, you know, benefit by listening to it, so I'm going to let you listen to what I need tonight. Okay, all right. Well, it's, it's a subject that not too many people talk about. Last week was a subject not too many people. Now, how, how many, you ever heard anybody preach on the apple of his eye, a whole sermon? Once? Holly did? Really? Years ago? Well, maybe that's where I got it from. I don't know. But anyway, we're going to talk about sleep tonight. Uh, it, it's amazing, you know, that it's, it's a subject we don't really talk about sleep, except that some of you sleep in church, which is not where you're supposed to be sleeping. <laughs> That's a no-no, you know. I, I, I have seen my husband was really, was really mean one time. Well, I won't say mean. He was just belligerent, you know, a little bit. And, he, and he, somebody was sleeping right on that third row, just sound asleep. And he went over and did one of these. <laughs> uh, watch out. It might happen again. You know, I might do that. You know, so we're not talking about sleeping in church. Okay. But there are, there are a few scriptures, you know, that put sleep in a bad light. If you go to Proverbs, the sixth chapter, it talks about sleep connected to the sluggard. The person who's just lazy, they don't do anything except sleep all the time. You ever known anybody like that? Yeah, I, I, I know somebody I'm thinking of right now that they want to stay up all night and sleep all day and ne- they never accomplish a thing. You know, they don't know how to get a job because, you know, they're, they're never in a state where they're good employment material. Uh, but so it talks about that in Proverbs 6, also again in Proverbs 24. Proverbs 19 says, Slothfulness casts into a deep sleep, and an idle soul shall suffer hunger. The NAB translation said, Laziness plunges a man into deep sleep. My mama once said, There's nothing sorrier than a lazy man. I don't know, I don't think that was Bible, but she, she quoted it as though it was. <laughs> Uh, Proverbs 20 verse 13 says, Love not sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you shall be satisfied with bread. There's another translation that says, Love not sleep, lest you be reduced to poverty. Eyes wide open mean abundant food. Ecclesiastes 5.12 says, The sleep of the laboring man is sweet, whether he eat little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. The Taylor translation says, The man who works hard sleeps well, whether he eats little or much, but the rich must worry and suffer insomnia. So many times rich people, you know, they're so concerned about how to protect their riches, and so they don't get any sleep. But, you know, sleep, the kind of sleep we really need to talk about is the sleep that's necessity for our bodies. We have to get some good sleep. And tonight we're going to talk about what's, what, what happens when you're not getting some good sleep and what we can do about it. Um, you know, sleep is an important thing. I mean, even God, who created everything that surrounds us, rested on the seventh day. There is a principle to rest 
and to sleep. Your body requires sleep. When people tell me, oh, you know, if I get, you know, four, maybe five hours a night of sleep, you know, I'm good. And I'm thinking, I don't know that that's good. Maybe there are a few people who can operate on that kind of sleep. I don't think that's the way God intended your body to operate. You know, you, you need more sleep than that because when you're sleeping, your body rejuvenates itself. It is able to heal itself. It's able to, to give you a clear mind the next day. Uh, chronic sleep issues, this is according to medical studies, chronic sleep issues put you at risk for obesity, cardiovascular disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, Cortisol is a stress hormone that goes up when you don't get enough sleep. Uh, your hormones, totally out of whack, ladies. Uh, I'm familiar with that. Um, you know, it, it can cause autoimmune diseases or at least, at least enhance them. Maybe not cause them, but can definitely make them worse. This is a, something I found uh, that says no sleep. If you don't get sleep, you don't, go, you don't have sleep. If you've been without sleep for 20 to 25 hours, it will result in impairment equal to a blood alcohol level of 0. 0.10. 0. 0.08 is considered DUI. If you go without sleep for 36 hours, you wind up with high levels of inflammatory markers. If you go without sleep for 48 hours, you will find yourself subject to what's called micro-sleeps. Anybody ever been awake for a very long time and then got behind the wheel of a car and you woke up about five miles from where you last remembered being? I have. I've done that. Dangerous stuff. I used to work security at youth camp. You know, I was the mother of Hitler is what I was known as. I, did, I was head of security. And I remember one year we had some real doozies of some campers that refused to just be cooperative and obey. And it caused a couple of sleepless nights. I mean, I, I, if I got three hours of sleep a night, I was doing good because I was constantly putting out fires, you know, in the girls' dorms and different places. And, and uh, of course, I wasn't alone, but uh, we would have to go and say, okay, y'all knock it off. Go to bed. Go to sleep. Other people are trying to sleep. And we did that for a couple of nights. And the very last night, uh, we had an, had an issue where we had gotten word that certain campers were going to sneak out of their dorms around midnight and go do all kinds of stuff. And so we camped outside that dorm for the whole night and uh, intercepted them, I should say. And uh, so when it was time to go home on that Friday morning, you know, I kind of wrapped things up of what I needed to do and got in the car and seems like I'm not sure it was it was down around Tampa. I think I don't know if, I think that's where that camp was that year. And I remember getting on the road and heading home and I was exhausted. Just exhausted. And two or three times I found myself suddenly going, Where am I? I had no memory of the last five to ten miles. Not a good thing. That's, that causes some major accidents. If you go without sleep for as much as 72 hours, you will find yourself having hallucinations. Sleep, your body requires sleep. And sometimes we look at sleep as something that's uh, insignificant or I, I can do without, I can do without. You know, you really can't afford to do without rest. You really can't. Uh, 
Sleep is meant to recharge, refresh, renew, revitalize, reinvigorate you. And, and if you're not sleeping, you need to figure out why. Sometimes there are physical things that, that are causing you sleeplessness, pain of some kind in your body. Uh, maybe you have a problem with sleep apnea. Uh, there are other stressor things, you know, that come into play, you know, that, that are health-related that you need to get on the word. You need to get the word out and you need to get on top of that. Don't let that dominate and rule your life if it's, if it's a health-type situation. And, uh, you know, so many times, you know, we find ourselves troubled. You know, I saw over in Daniel, Daniel 2 and in Daniel 6, is both talking about King Nebuchadnezzar. And he was having dreams that, that would wake him up, and he was troubled by those dreams. In Daniel 2, 1, it says, His spirit was troubled, and his sleep broke from him. One translation says his mind was disturbed and his sleep departed from him. Another translation said, which says, which left his spirit no rest and robbed him of his sleep. Daniel 6.18 says his sleep went from him. Anybody have, ever had your sleep go from you? I have described that at times, you know, when, when I'm having issues uh, I, can, I can go to sleep real quickly, and at some point during the night, I wake up, and, and I describe it like this. It's like the train left the station, and I can't find the caboose. You know, it just, it's just endless, this whole string of things. I just, I, I, can't, I can't stop it. It just, it just keeps going and going and going and going, and there's no going back to sleep. I mean, it just, it, you know, this is just what's happening. So that's why I'm preaching to myself. I've had some of these issues lately, just on some, some things that I've been dealing with with a family situation that had just had me just just uh, bound up. But, uh, you know, it says in Psalm 127, verse 2, it is vain, senseless, a waste of time for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. The true Jerusalem translation says, since he provides for his beloved as they sleep. The Amplified says, for he gives blessings to his beloved in sleep. The Taylor translation says, for God wants his loved ones to get their proper rest. Proverbs 3 verse 24 says, when you lie down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, you shall lie down and your sleep shall be sweet. See, there's a promise there. God intends for your sleep to be sweet, not troubled, but sweet. The Spurl translation says, then your sleep shall be refreshing. I think we're so sleep-deprived sometimes that we don't even realize we're sleep-deprived. And we need to get on it. You know, and just and start putting the word on this. In Jer- uh, Jeremiah 31, verses 25 through 26, it says, For I have satiated the weary soul, and I have replenished every sorrowful soul. Upon this I awaked and beheld, and my sleep was sweet unto me. Jerusalem translation again says, I awoke and was refreshed, and my sleep was peaceful. The amplified version of that says, My sleep was sweet in the assurance it gave to me. Psalm 116, verse 7 says, Return to thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with me. The NAB says, Return, O my soul, to your tranquility, for the Lord has been good to you. 
The tailor of that one says, now I can relax, for the Lord has done this wonderful miracle to me. Even in Psalm, the, the 23rd Psalm, it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. Other translations of that said he renews life within me or he restores my failing health. So many things, you know, in here. But, you know, as believers, there's a couple of good reasons for you to be lacking a little bit of sleep, for you to be awoken from your sleep. Number one is God wants to talk to you about something. You know, it's a shame he has to wake us up out of a sleep because sometimes we stay so busy he doesn't have an opportunity to talk to us. And so the only way he's going to get a word in is for us to him to wake us up in the middle of the night and say, hey, you won't talk to me during daylight hours, we'll talk during nighttime hours. And, and, if, and if you find that that's true, you, know, you wake up and you just get a sense that God's you know, wanting to talk to you, get up and find out what he wants to talk about. Because it's got to be something really important. I mean, you see here all these different places where sleep, you getting the kind of sleep you need is important to him. So if he is disturbing that sleep, he has a good reason for disturbing that sleep. And you need to find out what it is. Maybe there's something coming up that you need to be warned about. Maybe there's a decision that you're about to make that is a bad decision. Maybe there's, there's something coming down the road that he wants to give you advance notice of. Maybe there's somebody he wants you to pray for. Anybody ever been awakened during the night? You know, and, and had somebody on your heart that you needed to pray for? Thank God Mark Bauer woke up and prayed for his pastor in 2015. He might not be here tonight if he hadn't. So there's, there's in t- those are the two reasons you know, that, that God will wake you up from sleep. To talk to you about something, about your personal life, or for you to pray about something. And uh, those are valid reasons to lose some sleep. But listen, if God wakes you up, when you go back to sleep, you'll wake up refreshed. You won't feel the effects of a lack of sleep. So if he ever wakes you up and he wants to talk to you, he wants you to pray for somebody. He will redeem the time that you put into it. And he will refresh you like never before so that when you wake up, you go, oh, that's great. That's wonderful. Um, uh, there's a couple of verses that, you know, you can use when, when you just, you know, having a problem with sleeping. Um, Psalm 3 verse 5 says, I laid me down and slept. I awaked for the Lord sustained me. Many years ago, when Pastor's mom was still alive, she was living in a section of Jacksonville, and somebody tried to break into her house. And, of course, that unnerved her. And back during those days, I was doing a lot of cross-stitch. So I cross-stitched this next verse and gave it to her. She hung it in her bedroom, and there, there it stayed until she moved from that house. And I don't know, I think, I think it was still in the house that she moved to the next time. But anyway, it's this. It says in Psalm verse 4, verse 8, it says, I will both lay me down and sleep. It's not enough to just lay down, folks. I will both lay me down and sleep. For you, O Lord, only make me dwell in safety. If something is fearful to you and, and, and that's what's keeping you from sleep, laying down and sleeping, that's the verse for you. 
Because I'm telling you, if you have to cro- find somebody to cross-stitch it, let me know. I haven't done it in a long time, but I can find somebody who can cross-stitch that for you or make you a sign. You know, so that when you see it, you'll go, I will both lay me down. That's a declaration of faith. I will both lay me down and sleep. For the Lord himself makes me dwell in safety. Hallelujah. Um, what other reasons do believers find that, that hinders their sleep? Sometimes my own heart's troubling me. There's something that, you know, maybe I need to correct. And my own heart's trying to talk to me. You know, when you're, when you're up busy during the day, you can ignore those, those leadings of that inward man. You can ignore the things that your own heart is trying to talk to you about. But at night when everything is silent, everything is still, your hearts can speak very loudly to you. And sometimes it won't let you go to sleep until you deal with something. You may not be able to deal with the entire situation, but you can make a, you can make a decision and an attitude adjustment that needs to be made. And once you do that, then you can go back to sleep. The other big thing, which is where I've been lately, is something called worry. (laughs) And worry and fear, you know, pretty much are the same thing. I had seen something not too long ago, and and, uh, something I have no idea who who wrote this to start with. I don't don't know how to give anybody credit for it. But I thought it was so good, so I went and hunted it down again today. And it says this, Worry is a thin stream of fear trickling through the mind. If it continues, it cuts a channel into which all thoughts are drained. You know, it was just a little bit of water that just kept trickling through and the stream became bigger and bigger and it became a river and it just continued and continued and it formed the Grand Canyon. Anybody got any Grand Canyons <laughs> that you've allowed to form? <laughs> Worry is a thin stream of fear trickling through the mind. If it continues, it cuts a channel into which all thoughts are drained. You know, I was, I was reading something by Brother Hagen, and let me... Let me uh, Recommend this little this little book from Brother Hagen, Casting Your Cares. Excellent book. And and Pastor Nancy's book on peace. But there's some great things in here, you know. You know, what I love about Dad Hagen is he gives you so many examples of things and you can identify with every last one of them. And uh, you can go away going, I can I can I can do it. He tells you how to get out of it. Yeah, I can do that. I can do that. So uh, you know, what what good is worry gonna do you? What good is it going to do? Let me find all these, all these scriptures. I have just gotten all kinds of things written down here. Um, actually, you know, I, I wrote this down. Your peace level shows your faith level. Mm. Your peace level shows your faith level. Worry, it just, it's just one of those things that you and I have to deal with on an ongoing basis. Because different situations come up in our lives at different times. And if that's an area that the enemy knows that that you struggle in, he's going to continue to attack you in those areas. 
And you've got to get a hold of it. And you've got to take, take charge of that. I, I, was, I was just talking to somebody just today, and they were telling me how they're they just, they just depressed. And I said, you've got to take charge of your own life. You can't just let this stuff run over you. You've got to take charge of your life. And I gave them some things that they could do. They weren't, they weren't looking for Scripture, but, but I had some natural things that they could do to just to get on the other side of this or at least start making headway toward getting on the other side of it. Um, uh, here, you know, I, I want one of those things that, that you know, I have, I have experienced myself is, you know, sometimes you'll go to bed and you'll wake up and there's this great sense of condemnation about something that you handled that you, the enemy will come at you and say, you didn't handle well, you didn't handle, you should have handled that differently, you should have said that differently, you shouldn't have done this, you shouldn't have done that, you shouldn't have done the other. You ever been there? I mean, were you just, I mean, you're just tormented by the what, what ifs, or why, why did I do it that way? What, what, I, I don't know if I could even show my face again, you know, to that person. I don't know if I could... Many times I have left this, left this auditorium on a Wednesday night and gone home and went, I don't even know why I said that. I don't know why I said that. I do not. That was ridiculous. That was horrible. I can't believe I said that. You know, and I go home and I beat myself up over it. During the middle of the night, I just, you know, it just, and then somebody comes along and says, that was really a blessing. And I'm going, how could that possibly have been a blessing? I don't understand that. You know, well, it was just maybe God said something to you that you needed that I didn't know anything about. I don't know. But I, you know, th- that kind of stuff has got to, you got to put a stop to that. You got to figure out where that's coming from. And you got to tell the devil, you know, that's not so. I'm the apple of his eye. Get off my back. You know, so what if I didn't handle it right? I can fix that. Or sometimes it's absolutely meaningless. There was nothing you did that was wrong. He's just trying to make you think you did something wrong. He's just trying to th- make you think you did something badly. You ever said something to somebody that needed to be said? And you know good and well you did it the right way. And yet here the enemy is on your back trying to tell you that you did it all wrong. You know, just, just tell him no. No. And, and, just, and just stop that. I have at times just said, no, I am not going there. Do you hear me? I'm not going there. Just stop. I'm not going there. But worry is, is something that will short... If, you, if you're worrying about something, you are short-circuiting the answer that God wants to give you. He, he, can't, he can't talk to you about the answer because all your focus is on, is on worrying about something. There are, there are scriptures, Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Hebrews 4.3 says, for we, when we talked about peace, determining your, your, your faith level, Hebrews 4.3 says, We which have believed do enter into rest. If you're all just in knots about something, you are not in faith. Because if you're in faith, it doesn't matter what your head is saying, your heart says, we got this, and you can go to sleep. First Peter 
Well, let's see, do I want to go there just yet? Um, Isaiah 26, verse 3 says that he will, keep, he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. There's your faith level again. You'll keep him in perfect peace. You're in perfect peace. You can sleep. Sleep comes. You know, sometimes, you know, I was reading that about coming to me, all you that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. You know, we always talked about burdens. Take your, take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. That's an old, 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 old song. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them. Well, you know, we had a good habit, you know, in the church I was raised in, people did, of coming, coming to the altar, bringing their burdens down here. You know, oh, thank you, Lord, you know, and then get right up and take them right back with them. You know, the burden was light when they were down here, but as soon as they turned and walked away, they just went, oh, yeah, come on with me. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Time to go now. You've you got to take them and leave them, not take them and pick them up. You know, they don't need to go for a ride. Uh, I, I was reading a story by Pastor Nancy in, in this peace book. She was talking about how when she was eight years old that she bought this cheap necklace at a carnival or something, and she loved that thing, and she wore it, and she wore it, and she wore it. She slept with it. She bathed in it and all this kind of stuff, and pretty soon it had all these knots in it, and she took it off, and, and she wanted to, to get all the knots out of it, and she couldn't get her knots out of them, and, and so she took it to her mom who got her pen out, and she started, she started untangling all the knots that were in this thing, and, and her mom had... Gotten, had gotten almost all of the knots out of this chain. And, and she went, oh, that looks easy. I can do that. So she grabbed it and, and, and took it back. And she was, going to, she was going to get the last of the knots out. And she just made it worse, just as bad as it was to start with. And her mom looked at her and said something like this. If you'll just let me finish it, I'll take care of it. But if you're going to do it, it's going to be a mess. Listen, that's what God's saying to you. If you'll let him take it, and finish it, it'll be good. If you're going to take it back, you're just going to make a mess out of it. You, you know, we, 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 have to, we have to just diligently stop and say no to this kind of stuff. And sometimes it takes days to do that. But you, 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 you fight that good fight. Somebody told Brother Hagin one time that when he, when he finally got a hold of these principles about not worrying about things, they looked at him and said, you don't have enough sense to worry. And I'm thinking, that's a good, that's a compliment. Because the kind of sense you're talking about is all mental. Thank God I don't have enough sense to, to even worry about something. I've, I've had at times, you know, my mom would you say that something with this situation, you know, and the family was going on, and, well, I just don't know what we're going to do. I just don't know what we're going to do. I said, I'm not going to do anything. And, and she would say, you just don't care, do you? And I went, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just not going to worry about it. You know, there, there's an answer. There's, there's something that can be done, but I'm not going to worry about it. And to her, that was a sign that I didn't care. You're not going to worry. Worry equals care. No, worry is not equal care. When people want you to worry with them and for them, to show them that you care, then you are not helping them. I'm a fixer, okay? When I see a problem, I want to fix the problem. 
If it's something that I'm involved in, I want to fix the problem. My problem sometimes is that the, the person who needs the fixing isn't me. I need to be fixing something for them, and they won't let me. After a while, I become an enabler. There are certain things people are going to have to fix for themselves. And you can't, because you're worried and you care about them, sometimes we step over the line into enabling people. And we take just enough pressure off of them in a situation that they can continue doing what they were doing that's causing all the problems to start with. So if you're like me and you tend to be a fixer, you need to stop and look and say, am I not helping them by trying to fix something? It's not my problem. Is it my problem or is it their problem? Is it something I really can do something about or is it something they have to do something about? And the best time, I've said this so many times, oh my heavens, to my mom, I said, mom, stop worrying about that person. You can't do anything for them. They're not going to listen. So there's no sense in you worrying and fretting over this. Don't do it. She never listened. You know, well, you just don't know. You just don't know. I'm going thinking, yeah, I think I do know. I, I know, know, know a lot about what it is, what it's like to, to be tempted to worry about things. Uh, uh, let me see what else we want to do here. Um, you know, in those times when it's, it involves somebody else, you know, you need to remember James 5.16. Let's go over there and take a look at it real quick. I just think there's somebody who needs to understand that you're worrying about something you can't do anything about in the natural. And this is what you have to do right here in verse 16. First part of this says, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. This is the part you need to understand. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The amplified version of this says, says the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. When you pray for this person that you know you're so consumed with, you're making tremendous power available which means they have a choice to whether they're going to take advantage of what you've made available or not. They're, you can't make their choices for them. And that's what I've been dealing with with my sibling is, is I can't make those choices for them. And yet I'm consumed with worry at night, just can't sleep because I know this is, this is an awful situation. I know this needs to change. But I can't do anything except pray. I really can't. I mean, when, when, the, when, the, when the tide changes and some decisions are made and some choices are made, then I can step in and help. But until that time comes, I am limited by that person's choices. But when you pray, you make tremendous power available. And, you know, you shouldn't be under any kind of condemnation or any kind of guilt 
or anything when somebody makes the wrong choice that you didn't pray enough. Yes, you did. They made a choice. There are certain things that happen in life that you say, well, I should have prayed more. I should have done this. I should have. Listen, if I did what God told me to do, then I did enough. And now the responsibility for what happened does not lie with me. And you have to be satisfied with that and let it go if, if, if the enemy tries to tell you something different. Amen? Hallelujah. Um, you know, go with me to Matthew. So many times we worry about so many things and it causes sleepless nights. And, you know, at, at, at whatever age we are, there, there are just things that, that come up. Um, maybe as a younger person, maybe you're worrying about whether you're going to pass a certain class. Maybe you're worrying about, you know, what job am I going to wind up with? Where, where am I going to go? Where am I going to find a job? What, what about this? Well, why, why don't I have anybody in my, in my, in my life? I, I'm looking for companionship. You know, I'd like to get married. What am I going to do? Where are they? Stop. Just stop. Those kind of things will keep you awake at night. But in Matthew, starting in verse 25, it says, Take no thought for your life what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Did I tell you the right verse? Matthew six twenty-five. It goes on in verse 26. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, Neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they are? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his foot? I would still be 5'8 if I could do that, you know. And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, they, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or where shall we be clothed? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. I've written in here, tomorrow will take care of itself. And it will. Hallelujah. Go with me to 1 Peter 5, 7. Hallelujah. I think we read this last week, but we, it's so good to read again. Casting all of your care upon him, for he cares for you. Such a short little verse. Such a short little verse. And yet it has so much meaning. Casting all of your care upon him. For he cares for you. The Amplified, you can't, I mean, you you need to write it in your Bible somewhere if you don't have the Amplified version handy. Casting the whole of your care. Not just part of it, but all of it. Casting the whole of your care. All your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all. 
on him, for he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Psalm 55 verse 22 says, cast your burden upon the Lord. The Amplified says, releasing the weight of it, and he will sustain you. Now go with me to Philippians 4 verses 6 through 8. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see right here what you need to do to get past this place of worry that's keeping you awake at night. It says in verse 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. That in verse 6 where it says, be careful for nothing, the vine says, don't be distracted. Amplified says, do not fret or have any anxiety about. Another version says, entertain no worry. Isn't that interesting? Entertain no worry. Sometimes we're guilty of letting worry come in and just and just... Making a place for him. Oh, this is a nice soft place for you to lay down right here beside me. Don't entertain that. Don't entertain worry. Worry is not from God. God never intended for you to worry about anything. He intended for you to trust him. We have to, we have to take our, our minds and make it think something. That's what I've had to do at night sometimes. Is no, I refuse to think those thoughts. So now I'm going to think about this, how good God is to me. How good he's been to me. The fact that he is my source of everything that I have. That he's my provider. He's more than enough. He's the God who is El Shaddai. He gives me everything I need. He supplies me abundantly. Daily he loads me up with benefits. That, that he, he gives me things every Every single day that he provides for me in a way that nobody else can. That he gives me exceedingly abundantly above all I can ask or think. That he's got the answers when I have no answer because the greater one lives on the inside of me. When I need to know how to, what to do, the greater one will tell me what to do. And I can hear the voice of my father. I know the voice of my father. I know that he cares for me. I know that I'm the apple of his eye. I know I don't have to lay here and worry and fret and be, be anxious about anything. These are the kind of things you have to stop and think about to get your mind back on track so within these four verses it, it or three verses it tells you the four different things you need to do number one pray number two give thanksgiving number three get in and stay in a place of peace and number four keep your thoughts directed in the right place easy isn't it god doesn't want you to lose sleep about anything if, if, if you're awake, start praising God. It gets your focus off of what you're worried about and gets your focus on the one who takes care of all those things. The one who is the master builder. The one who is the master financial guy. 
the one who is the master leader in every part of our lives. You have to think about going over, you know, 2 Corinthians talks about casting down imaginations and every thought that brings itself against the knowledge of God. You, 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 got, you got to put them down. And the way you put them down is to take these things right here, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, pure, lovely, good report, those are the things you have to replace those with and then go back to sleep. And wake up in the morning going, thank you, Jesus. I don't know the answer, but you know the answer, and you're going to reveal the answer to me. Whatever it is I need, you've got. There is nothing that I need that you do not have an answer for. Nothing. Everything, everything, everything that's a question in my mind that keeps me awake at night. Everything. There is the answer. You have the answer. And and you show me the answer. And so with that, we'll just end with this. You're the apple of his eye. He doesn't slumber. He doesn't sleep. He's awake to take care of your problem. So you don't have to stay awake. Psalm 121 verse 4 says, He that keeps Israel, and I should say keeps you, shall neither slumber nor sleep. He's taking care of all that. Because he's wide awake. And he's looking after you. And he cares about you. He does not want you anxious for anything. He doesn't want your sleep interrupted because the enemy, if he can interrupt your sleep, he will cause problems in your body. He'll cause problems in your mind. He will lead you down a path of anxiety that leads to depression and all kinds of of ungodly things. And you should see that kind of stuff as what it is. It's ungodly. And make a determination that when a sleepless night comes... And it's more than just having eaten pizza too late at night. That you deal with it. Because God wants you to rest. He wants his beloved to both lay down and sleep. Amen. Now I know that was for somebody besides just me tonight. So you need to take it and run with it. It doesn't do any good if you don't become a doer of the word. And you have to meet every challenge, and especially in this area, with the word. You attack it with the word just like you do anything else. Don't settle for, well, I had a couple of sleepless nights. No, you know, get to a place where you're not, you're not satisfied. You're not going to be okay with even one sleepless night. You deal with it so that your sleep is sweet. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.